Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with Netherlands-based British comedian, improviser, musician, and writer Stephen Morgan. He moved to the Netherlands from Brisbane, Australia, and has toured and performed in famous comedy clubs and festivals around the world alongside acts such as Stephen Carlin, Damon Power, and Greg Shapiro. Since moving to the Netherlands, he has become a cast member, performer, and teacher with Amsterdam's Easy Laughs. He is a regular on the English language scene around mainland Europe and hosts the popular comedy night LYFAO. We get into quite a bit in this interview. Enjoy. It's great to get to know you. Thank you for taking a minute out. And I want to begin everything here with, especially in your line of work, how did you survive that two-year period of lockdown with COVID? And how has that time period subsequently changed you now that we're coming out and the world's waking up and there's more things that we were used to prior to yeah. the pandemic happening? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a big question because uh, I feel like in many ways, a lot of us are still making sense of all that, even though it's been quite some months since op- things opened up here. Um, it's funny. It's, it's one of those things. I mean, like during the time, uh, you know, I'd also have like a background in IT. Uh, so I, I do have some... Uh, areas where I was still able to continue making money, getting work and everything like that. So that wasn't so much of a problem. However, I think that um, like it, it just the whole pandemic era affected so many people in so many different ways. I mean, of course, some people, well, many people lost their lives and it's kind of uh, turned the world kind of upside down. And, uh, you know, if you were to think about the things that happened, uh, it, it's hard to believe the measures that were taken and compare anything else, at least in my lifetime. And I do think that, like, you know, as, as someone who's who's gets energy from creative activities and particularly with collaborating with others, there was, uh, like, a, a period of time where it was great to have, like, a little bit of calm and peace when uh, lockdowns first started happening. But over time, yeah, that did turn into a quite a negative thing, which was hard to deal with, you know, because you're very much uh, on your own. You're living a very sedentary life. You're kind of interacting with people only by video, which in itself is uh, <laughs> is limited in how much you can really get out of it compared to just having a chat with someone. But um, and, and over time now, I mean, I feel like now things are, well, I mean, I say normal, but like <laughs> now things have opened up again. It's It's almost like it's easy to forget that that period ever happened, you know? It's easy to kind of like almost dismiss it, but there's always just reminders of things, of like how precarious all this is, how how the things that you're kind of like throwing your like uh, heart and effort into, it's like, you know, like knowing that things could change tomorrow in a way that you'd never really, never really encountered in your life before. I mean, I guess it's a pretty heavy sort of answer to an opening question, but it, it really is something which I think even now, even like uh, on every so often something will happen and will cross my mind and make me go, oh, yeah, damn, it's, this, is, uh, this is not how I used to see these things. It is heavy, and, and I think that's why I wanted to start off, because I think sometimes there is that notion where it's like, all right, we're getting back to it, let's move on, and it, and it's not so much asking the questions so we can stay in that period, it's being reflective enough to say, this is where I'm at, and this is where we're going, but you're you're right, I mean, 
I remember when this all began, you know, we were all like, oh, it'll be two weeks, and then it'll maybe be a month, and then, you know, and then and then it would, like, go back to, to, especially when the warm months came around, we'd go back to living, and then a variant would come out. So it was like, start, stop, start, stop. Yeah. It was this weird, like, foxtrot that we were all stuck in. But, yeah. you know, I, I'm curious with you to get to the bottom of who you are and what you do, I'm going to put you in front of a bunch of third graders at a career day. And one of the kids looks up at you and says, what do you do for a living? How would you answer them? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I love that question. Uh, Cause it's just such a visceral, you, you really do put yourself in the, in the position. I like it. Um, I think, you know what, to be frankly honest, um, I would just tell them I work in it because for me, and this applies to so many situations, I kind of hate the the, the expectations uh, that come from some of the, the things that people ask around like a, a career and a career as a form of existence. Um, like I think that everyone gets it to an extent, like a, like a doctor is asked about like medical ailments someone has or, you know, someone who's a mechanic will someone else will say like, actually, I've been having a problem with my car. And there's always this kind of expectation that, and, and like a, like a real sort of reduction of someone to that one thing that they do. And what the, the joy of telling people that I work in IT is that there's almost no one in the world who then follows that up with, Oh, really? That's so fascinating. Tell me more. It allows us to, uh, to just kind of, um, see that, uh, that, that, that the idea of the career, the idea of like this one thing defining someone is, uh, not always the best way to get to know someone or to see what they're about. Uh, but of course, by that point, the three year old would have uh, gotten bored and moved on to something else. But, uh, <laughs> I guess that's why they won't ask me back to answer that question again. You know, it's interesting because my main vocation is IT. I, I'm a technician for a school district. So I, I've never ah. I've never thought about it that way, but it's true. Because then when I say, yeah, I have a jazz radio show or I interview people from around the world, then it opens up the box. But yeah, when you say IT, mm. it's like, oh, okay, cool. You know, I mean, I don't even get, are you Windows? Are you Mac? Or what? It just, it just, it, yeah. it ends there, you know? And then... Of course, if yeah. they really, really want to get into it, it's like, do you really want me to bore you with this? Do you really want to get into it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's it. And, and, and honestly, like, I mean, I know that that's the example with IT, but even with, with comedy things, it's like, um, for example, if I mention about stand-up comedy, then there's often like an... Because I mean I I don't know if it's just because of like my profile as well because like I'm a like middle aged white male and there's some people who are kind of like oh yeah do you like uh, you know you must like this particular comedian and they'll give me a name and I'll be like ooh okay I uh, no no uh, don't like that comedian one bit um, but obviously this is someone who's trying to connect with you. And um, it's very hard then to kind of like, you know, basically say to someone, it's like, actually, I find that that guy punches down. Uh, it's like it's really quite horrendous, the stuff they do. And I, I can appreciate the skill. But like, honestly, I, this doesn't feel good that this is the first thing you want to say to me. But of course, that that's not a great way to respond to it either. So it's it's almost like as if there's like a there's a real personalness to it that I just don't want to, you know, let's 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 try and find other things we can connect with and actually see each other as human beings and you know get to know each other first it's just amazing how just asking like just mentioning the fact you do comedy just makes things too personal too quickly yeah oh i imagine so so are you 
So are you in the Netherlands now? I am, yeah. I've okay. been living here almost five years now, which blows my mind. Wow. So what's that like? You know, so you're originally from London, you're in the Netherlands now. What what's that been like for you to kind of get into a different culture and a different place? Uh it's it's fascinating. It's uh it's again it's something which uh, I think I what before I first moved lived outside of the country I'm from in the UK, um there was a part of me that was always like, I wanna live in another country. I don't can't quite put my finger on why, but I feel like it's the sort of thing that would be an experience that I'd learn a lot from. So it was a really vague thing, and uh, I lived in Australia for a while, and then later the Netherlands. And, uh, and it, yeah, I mean, I guess it, it has been that on so many different levels, on so many different things. And I think that the, the biggest thing to me is, um, is, all, is constantly noticing things which you have in common with, like, you know, your, your home culture and the place that you're living and the things that are completely different to the extent where people just don't care about them in the way that uh, that you do. And it starts to make you really question. It's kind of like, why do I care so much about, you know, this particular thing that is absolutely meaningless to these other people? <laughs> you know, like, um, I mean, I, you know, because I'm, I'm big into my music too. And I, I just remember um, moving to Australia and they've got this annual list, the hottest 100, which is like, you know, it's, it's voted for by many, many people. And essentially, uh, the results of this um, this hottest 100 end up kind of like dictating who the most popular Australian artists are going to be for the next year and what, what radio stations are going to play and things like that. It's incredibly influential. Yet, before I lived in Australia, even though I was writing for magazines, I was like, the hottest, uh, what? You know, it's like, is that another one of those like boring lists that just means nothing and just like the, the most uh, inoffensive rises to the top? And of course, yeah, Australians weren't so happy with that sort of uh, description on what was uh, like something they've been thinking and caring about since they were very small and young. And, and it's, yeah, and it's just so fascinating. You almost feel like you're watching a nature documentary when you're watching these things that matter to someone but even they can't explain why it matters to them. And you're just an outsider kind of like going, yeah, okay, guys, yeah. No, you're right, you're right. It's, it's important, you know. Who, number 74 is a good place, you're right. <laughs> so how do these seeds begin in you? You know, you're in comedy, you're in IT, you're a writer. How did all of this begin? What was your childhood like to give you these seeds? And then even before that, when you were in the third grade, what did you want to be when you grew up? Yeah, it's, it's, it is a good question, right? Because it's, it's, the seeds are always hard to... We, I think we always find ourselves sort of looking at the situation we're in now and then sort of just making this convenient path to it to explain it. Whereas I think a lot of the time people, well, including myself, there's, there's so much self-awareness I don't have and I just like to think that I know the answers to these questions. But I mean, from what I really see it is that just like the fundamentals is that they were the created things. I just loved doing them more naturally. I used to write pointless things all the time. I'd always just have like these notebooks just full of things that I was writing about and it would be anything or uh, I I mean, I, I wish I could still like live that life now because uh, I don't write as much as I used to, but it was just like a way to, to me it was the most natural thing in the world. I was, you know, I used to play computer games with my brothers and then I'd be writing things about the characters in the computer games and the things they get up to in the other parts of their life. Like real sort of simple, like innocent things that were just kind of commenting or just, just doing anything in the world that I was in. And, you know, my parents, um, 
could relate to it in the sense that, like, you know, my, my, well, I mean, my, my dad worked in the factory, my mum worked in payroll. It wasn't like they were, uh, from some, you know, big kind of creative background or anything like this. They were more about, we need to, you know, work to get money on the table to feed our children kind of mentality. So it was, yeah, if, if anything, I think I would probably have leaned and done more of it, uh, if it weren't for the fact that, I had an upbringing where, you know, there was much more of an emphasis on you need to get a job, which means you won't be on the streets starving and die <laughs> kind of uh, way of looking at the world. It's funny when you get a bit older and you sort of hang out with people who have like, you know, come from uh, more stable or richer backgrounds and things like that. And, and they have such a different way of looking at the world because they were raised more like, yeah, you can be anything. You can do this. You can do that. And for me, it's like, you know, it's like, okay, it's good that you are enjoying some things, but you need to also get a job that will be, that will pay money. Okay. Like that is number one. The rest of it is like, we hope it goes well. In your life, who has been somebody that you've looked up to, a role model or a hero? Uh, um, I mean, I guess that's a, that's something that's, uh, something that's changed a lot over time. Um, but you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's difficult to say a specific um, about who it is that I look up to because, it, I mean, I think for, the, for a long time that uh, I looked up to my brother, my mother, um, my family, immediate family were kind of like people who meant a lot to me and could say a lot and teach me a lot about things. But over time, I guess, you know, you kind of realize that they've got their own flaws They've got their own things which they're doing with their lives, which may not line up with your own and may not make sense. Uh, and at this point, honestly, it's most, I think I'd say it'd have to be my wife, really. It's, I mean, above anyone else, she's the one who just has the perspective on things more sense than anything I think uh, I can see and, and, and make sense of. And uh, that'd be great Like I have her and that she can like help me with those sorts of things. So if you could meet anybody alive on the planet right now, who would it be? Who would you love to meet and talk to? Um, I think for me, uh, one person who, it's a good question. And I think probably the person I would most like to is uh, the comedy writer Chris Morris, um, mainly because he's created, he's not created a huge amount over the last couple of decades, um, but everything he creates is just a, such a high standard and so well made and uh, has his fingerprint like so much over it once you recognize his writing style that it's just fascinating to know like I'd love to know like how seriously he takes things like what his methods are of comedy writing and things like this because I mean there are other people I think I would probably naturally say oh this person I think I'd probably have more in common with but I think the reason why I think it would be very cool to meet him in particular is because he's like one of these reclusive characters too. And in an era where you feel like every single person worldwide is so easy to connect with, to find out things, they're doing the PR cycles of, uh, you know, every single thing that comes out, an Instagram account that's got like the daily up-to-date uh, th uh, process and all of that. It's, it, you, you end up getting drawn more to the people who just completely shut themselves off from that type of world and you're like what, what's going on you know that's I, I still don't know anything about this person so it's a natural tendency i think 
So, you know, all of us, and I ask a lot of musicians this, like the first concert, and, and it's a real motivator for them to want to actually one day get there. What was, what was the comedian that you either saw on TV or live that really inspired you, that made you think this would be a life you would want to live? Uh, yeah, um, I, I, that's very clearly Eddie Izzard for me, the, the British comedian Eddie Izzard. Um, he, when I was like at a certain age, like uh, mid-teenage, that's when he started to release his like best work um, and his, some of his stand-up specials, three of them, to this day I can watch them and just think they're absolutely mind-blowingly good. Um, and, you know, he created a style that was so distinct and so him and copied by so many people as well since then that, uh, you know, that's it's just incredible to think that, uh, you know, there's a huge difference between someone who can perform in a particular way that's really creative and really good, but someone who is almost genre-defining is just a whole other level of achievement, I think. And to me, yeah, I mean, like, it, it was definitely something where, like three of his uh, stand-up specials, Dress to Kill, um, uh, Unrepeatable, and uh, oh god, I can't even remember the name of the third one. But it's uh, it, it's it's easy. If you know, you know. Uh, but those three, I would just watch again and again and again. Uh, growing up on VHS, you know, to show the kind of era, <laughs> and uh, it, it was just like such a. It was just one of those things where you know when you, you when you, I think any sort of thing you expose yourself to, especially at that age, where you repeated so much that you basically almost don't hear the words anymore. You hear like the mechanics of the sounds. And it applies, I think, to comedy and to music as well, where it's like your, your, your brain, which is still developing, it sort of starts to really sort of go like, why is that bit particularly so good? Why is that pause in that sentence particularly so good? You know, you really just deconstruct in a way that you just wouldn't if you uh, didn't have that annoying trait of a teenager to just want to listen to something again and again and again. But uh, yeah, it's I, I I still I think I watched uh, one of them for the first time again in like over a decade about uh, two weeks ago, um, and it was just one of those things where I'm watching it and I'm like I'm almost saying the lines as they happen, <laughs> just from, like memories I didn't even know that I had like lodged firmly in my brain. What's been one of the best fan responses you've ever gotten from your work? You know, a memorable response or letter or missive sent to you? Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think, because this, this is, a, I mean, well, it doesn't happen every day, but uh, when it does happen, there are quite a few that kind of catch you off guard. Um, there's, I mean, just uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had someone come up and say to me it's kind of like uh, we were just actually talking uh, I, i'd just uh, been teaching this guy uh in a stand-up comedy course I, I didn't know that i i'd never seen them before and the conversation was made mostly about the things we've been covering and then arbitrarily uh mid-conversation the guy just kind of like goes oh yeah my wife thinks you're the the funniest guy in the whole troop thinks you're really good really good and i <laughs> it was such a weird thing to react to because hmm. i was like okay I I don't know who your wife is. This is the first time in this whole interaction we've had that I I knew that we had you even knew who I was before. Um, and I don't know what made you volunteer this particular fact at this point. Uh, but you know, uh, thank you. But there's just so much to unravel here. But uh, no, it's, it's I think it's actually more from the t 
why I love teaching so much as well with like stand up and improv is because you really sort of connect with people and you get people who have come up and said that, you know, like I was going through a particularly dark thing at that time. And, you know, it's like, it's something which really made a difference and it was just exactly what I needed there and then. And, um, it's, uh, and the thing is, it's in those situations, I know that it's not like me, me, because the fact is, it's, you know, there's so much in their mental journey that's made them get to that point to, to do that, to make the decision they wanted some sort of change, to learn some sort of new skill. And uh, it's just, I, I, if anything, I just feel lucky to be the person who happened to be able to, like, hold their hand and, you know, to do that thing with them. So everyone out there has a perception of you, your family, your friends, your colleagues, fans, but ultimately you live your life. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? Yeah, that's a question which I keep asking myself and continue to ask myself always. And I also think kind of changes because it's, um, you know, as, as time goes on, like there's different parts of your life where different things matter more and more, less and less and things like this. And especially since I stopped living in the country that I'm from, you know, I, I kind of really became aware of friendships that were sort of, you know, more meaningful and would still keep in touch despite the distance. And then friendships which just kind of fizzled out and, you know, our lives moved on in different directions and things like this. Um, and at this stage, I, I guess, to me, I just feel more convinced uh, of my the things I actually enjoy than ever and kind of want to put my time into to keep improving in to find new ways to enjoy them and uh so you know it's it's like if someone were to describe me i'd hope that they would just kind of say that he's kind of fun and you know maybe he's takes things a little too seriously in terms of like you know uh progressive values and things like that but um that yeah i i i guess uh, that, that's what I hope, but mostly they probably just say that he just cracks jokes at everything and seriously, he just needs to calm down a bit sometimes. <laughs> so, Stephen, if anybody wants to see a show, catch up with what you're doing with your life, where's the best place for them to go? It's probably, I mean, for shows and things like that, I always keep the events always on Facebook. Um, so my events uh, is under the name Stephen Morgan Hero uh, for the username Somehow that one wasn't taken already. Uh, and so all, everything that I'm involved with will be listed there. Um, I perform regularly in, in Amsterdam with the group I'm with, Easy Laughs. Um, so there's the Easy Laughs things on easylaughs.nl or the Easy Laughs Facebook page, Instagram, things like that. Um, but other things that I'm doing, yeah, I mean, um, I would just uh, just go... I, it'd probably be best to give some links of things that I have because... I, the different things I do have different places they're happening and otherwise we'll just get into a, a list of uh, URLs and I don't know if that makes good audio I get it I get it yeah I can put it in the show notes so uh, Stephen nice. thank you for opening up thanks for taking time out good luck with everything have a great holiday season and a 2023 you too Joe thanks so much for being fantastic questions Thanks for listening and tuning in to We Give You a Bit of Insight into the world of comedy, art, literature, business, spirituality, and music from around the globe. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. Thanks again for listening, and until next time.